The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week, and it is a pleasure this week to be joined by Robonzo. He is an indie artist and the host of the Unstarving Musician Podcast, a weekly interview series featuring interviews with musicians and music space professionals that you can check out on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more. You can find out more about his work by visiting www.robonzo.com. Robonzo, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, sir. It's a pleasure. It is a pleasure for me as well because I have to say, I really enjoy what you're doing and I enjoy in interviewing people like you, which are musicians who start out making music and then along the way, while they're making great music, they discover that they also have this passion for giving advice and helping other musicians and certainly we appreciate that around here. And And you've been doing that piece of your career for a long time now with your Unstarving Musician podcast and blog. So I'm curious, what drew you from uh, being just a musician to also wanting to get into this other side of the industry? You know, I've been a self-employed person for a long time, um, juggling music with uh, IT and marketing-related work. And um, my wife and I, I don't know if we talked about this, but my wife and I in 2016 moved from uh, San Jose, California, after 17 years, to Panama in Central America. And I was just at a point in life where I wanted to do something a little new and and more music-related. and it kind of spawned from a book to help musicians, uh, you know, find find more gigs and get paid for those that that kind of struggle with that thing. It was something I was very proficient at, and I just started thinking, you know, I do the mind map thing, and you know, what what else can this be? Can I help musicians in a bigger way? And um, a mentor encouraged me to start podcasting, and um, lo and behold, I I really enjoy podcasting. I love the art of the interview. I I love you know, the, the relationships and getting to know people. I wish that I could hang out with them all more, you know, more regularly and talk to them more regularly, but, uh, that, that's kind of what shot me down the path. Um, and as I talked to more and more independent artists who were sharing things with me and my listeners, uh, you know, I'm just gar- I feel like I'm curating, uh, uh, volumes of expertise and experience and mistakes that others are making. And so why not share those? That's, that's kind of been my outlook and what got me started. That's really fantastic. And I I always tell people all the time, I'm trying to get more musicians to get into podcasting because I think it's really a, a unplowed ground for being able to really co- do some cool stuff in the space. And the, and the musicians that I have seen that have gotten into podcasting are doing some really, really interesting stuff. We were talking before the interview about a former guest on this podcast, Charlotte Erickson, The Glass Child, who has a really excellent podcast. And we're trying to get more artists to do that. And so I, I love that you're doing this, that you've done it for so long because it's really hard to keep a podcast going and you have over 100 episodes on The Unstarving Musician, so kudos there. Um, and I, So now I want to talk a bit about the things that you're writing and talking about. You, you often focus a lot of your writing and podcasting on helping musicians get more gigs and more importantly get lucrative gigs. 
And you've spoken in the past about helping musicians, quote, get their own gigs. Now, I'm interested in what you kind of mean by that. What does it mean for a musician to find their own gigs, to really take ownership of securing live performances for themselves? Yeah, you know, I, I got that idea, um, you know, creating your own your own work or creating your own gigs through a Canadian artist that I recently met named Arlene Pekulin. Um, she is in an area, she's in like a sister city of Toronto called Mississauga, I believe is what it's called. First time I'd heard of it when I, when I met her. And I, she immersed herself, herself in the arts community locally um, at the encouragement of her, her mother, she says, uh, because her initial idea was, I want to, you know, I want to break this outside the area. I want, and she's very talented. I want to, I want my music to be known everywhere. And her mom always told her, start local, work with, you know, build a fan base here with people that you can reach really easy and get to know. One of the things that she's done, um, so she's on the local arts council, and she's doing all this fantastic networking, but she started creating her own events. Um, kind of you know industry events for music festivals um, and out of this has consequently come uh, a lot of gigs for her I suppose that you know other artists that inspired me to to just sort of explore that theme um, there are a number of people like this but I always like to talk about another one named Shannon Curtis who's written a small ebook on house concerts and how she made uh, I forget the number, but, you know, it's kind of a title like how I made a, a boatload of money on a summer tour doing nothing but house concerts. So she stopped, you know, playing clubs and coffee houses and instead leverages her her own community, people that already appreciate what she does to build a tour around and so that she can promote her annual you know music release. And her and her husband, with her husband's help, they're off to the races um, doing uh, house concerts every year. And, and it's all uh, a fan generate a fan-based supported thing so that's that's what i mean by it um you know i i kind of think of my own i suppose through the podcast i'm doing a little bit of that uh for myself as a gigging musician myself i was always uh, so i'm a drummer first a singer second and i i used to play guitar a lot of years ago and i just picked it back up so i'm starting to do that so i can sing a little bit more and my my whole music um, ecosystem has changed because of where I moved to. So I'm having to, I suppose in a way I'm, I'm creating, I'm in the process of creating opportunity uh, for myself by picking the guitar back up and through the wonders of the internet, Ryan, with um, I've observed another thing I've observed through so many of my guests, um, particularly I think of a guy who works with modern drummer magazine and all the people that he um, speaks with and the work that he does. He does a lot of content online on Instagram, uh, showcasing his abilities, which gets him work. So these are just some some great examples that have inspired me. Oh, gosh. I mean, we're really on the same page here with this. I get so inspired by that first piece that you talked about there in the beginning about how artists are basically creating opportunities for themselves in the live performance space by creating their own gigs. And it's something we've been able to talk about a bit on the podcast in the last few weeks by virtue of the guests we've had on this idea of if you don't like the gigs you're getting locally, build your own gigs. We had a guest on a few weeks ago, Robonzo, a band named Please Please Me, who uh, they are a, you know, a, a sort of a queer core band that was having trouble finding gigs that would be hospitable to you know bands that you know, skewed toward the LGBT community. 
in Brooklyn. And so they were like, well, let's just create our own showcase of LGBT music groups in Brooklyn. And not only did that become a popular gig, but now it's like a monthly music series. So now not only her band, but all of the other LGBT bands in that area are getting steady gigs by virtue of just these artists taking ownership of their own live performances. And everything you said about house concerts, man, I love that too. I, I've been, I've had the pleasure of hearing so many artists say so many of the great things they're doing in the house concert space, how it allows them to tour really easily without having to deal with a bunch of venue bookings and things like that. You sort of get a built-in fan base because that person who owns that home sort of is the person that gets the word out about the show and invites all their friends. I just, I love it. I would say artists making their own gigs, house concerts, and my third is live streaming concerts are three of the things that are really exciting me the most about opportunities for indie artists in the live performance space here in 2019. Uh, have you have you heard a lot of cool stuff about live streaming concerts that really excite you as an indie artist? No, and I was about to say you'll have to turn me on to the ones that you are excited about because I, it's something I've always been excited about in principle, but I don't see much. And it's probably, you know, there's so much going on online. It's hard to it's hard to focus on any one thing in, in a given day, but um, I'd love to see those and how what they're doing for the artists because I've, boy, man, I mean, long before we were probably, and I'm, I'm not a futurist or anything like that. I, in fact, <laughs> I, um, years ago, I worked at Netflix at the corporate office and I was the guy that was laughing saying, you're never going to pipe movies into people's homes. There's not enough bandwidth. But a long time ago, uh, I was dreaming of, you know, live streaming shows. And so I'm, I would love to see some of those. It's not something I've seen much though. It's incredible. And honestly, for an artist in your situation that lives in Central America, this could be like really bread and butter for you. Like a lot of artists are using platforms like Twitch, Facebook Live, Concert Window, or not so much Concert Window anymore, but uh, Facebook Live, Periscope, things like that, where they are, you know, reaching an international community of fans by just doing concerts through streaming. And I know artists who will do concerts over streaming. They'll do songwriting sessions where they'll actually write a song while, you know, soliciting lyric tips from their community like oh i need a word that rhymes with uh napkin listeners what do you got for me or they'll just do q a sessions they're really using streaming as a way to connect with their fans on not just a deeper level but an international level because you don't have to travel around it cuts down on costs it's it's really really cool but um but let me bring us back to house concerts because i mean that's i mean that's obviously something that you know you know uh, a lot about that you've really explored. It's something that I don't know as much about. And uh, so can can you reflect a bit on what what these uh, what these sort of concerts uh, really excite you about um, from what you were saying before? Well, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you've got this this has this host, the, you know, the homeowner or, you know, the office space owner, whoever's hosting the show that is supporting you. But the one of the most important things I've learned from it um, through Shannon Curtis and others is that um, it is the best way to connect with fans new and existing. If you happen to be, you know, doing a repeat circuit, um, it's the most intimate way to do it because the setting is this uh, when it's done right. The artist arrives at the at the venue a little early, you know, gets the lay of the land, gets set up. The guests arrive. The artist does some networking with them, gets to meet them, just hang out with them, enjoy some time with them, meet and greet. The artist performs. It's a listening room environment. So, you know, uh, those are kind of the rules. So it's a lovely performance. And everyone's very focused on the artist. And these artists are typically sharing their stories during the performance. And 
there may be a break or at the end, um, again, if it's done really well, uh, the artist has got a merch table there. We'll go sit down, guests come around, you know, meet and greet with them some more. Um, and perhaps, in fact, I, I believe Shannon Curtis has told me that a, a great deal of the income from these comes from merch at the shows. But just the connection that they make is incredible. Now, the really important thing is uh, artists have to have an email list. Mm. So, you know, for those of you that aren't working really hard at that part of it, today's the day to start if you want to do house concerts, because uh, the first thing she now she has a great social following. Uh, but she goes out first thing she does when she's ready to orchestrate another house concert tour is she hits uh, her social community, but she sends to her email list too. And that one's quite honestly, probably the most powerful one. That's absolutely. And you bring up something that I've heard from artists before about the house concert space. Cause when I was first learning about this, I would ask artists, well, how do you usually make money, money from these? Like, do you have a, a door charge? And almost all the artists I talked to are like, no, 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 no. The, you know, it turns out that for many artists, they actually make more money, not from charging at the door, but just by having a donation bin out. And between that and, as you noted, the merch and the value of the additional email addresses on the email list, that alone makes it absolutely worth the cost of doing the house concert for the artist. And you're not paying for overhead, which is really, really cool. So I want to talk about your book here, because as if there wasn't enough to like about you between the music you're making and the podcasting and the blogging, you're also writing a book. You're basically me, but with musical talent. And so there's a lot to enjoy there. Um, but let's talk. So let's talk about this book, The Unstarring Musician's Guide to Getting Paid Gigs, How to Get Booked and Paid What You're Worth over and over again. Boy, do I love that title. It's available on Amazon. So let me talk a bit about talk to you a bit about this book. What's the thing that you talk about in this book that you think artists have the most trouble with when it comes to reaching their full potential in the live performance space? Well, I always call it a book about relationships because when I when I got done with it, and by the way, it's a it's a quick read. Um, you can even uh, join the Unstarving Musician community on my website and get a free e copy, or you can support the podcast and pick up a you know Kindle or, or paperback version. But um, I call it a book about relationships because essentially, when I look back on it, when it was all said and done, the whole thing really talks about how relationships um, built my network uh, among musicians, a musician community, venues, and a venue community. And and in the venues, importantly, too, uh, the little communities that existed within every venue, especially including the people that work there. And those things helped me uh, tremendously. And then there's a little bit about the art of, you know, asking for a fee and keeping your mouth shut until the next, let the, let the other person say something first. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess... What I discovered, um, and this is really, you know, most of the people that I talk to uh, on the podcast, I, I believe they've, they've got this down. I, at least I think they do. They have all these principles down. Um, in my immediate circle over the years when I was playing in both Dallas-Fort Worth for many years and then in the San Francisco Bay Area for many years, you know, you always kind of observe some people that are struggling on these fronts. Those were the people that I was really speaking to with that book. Um, you know, these are the things that I did. I know they would uh, they would help you uh, just in principle. And, you know, I was large, I like to also throw in the caveat, I was largely playing in cover bands, occasionally working with original artists, not publishing music of my own. So I'm a gigging, I'm like a, uh, you know, a drummer for hire. Um, but uh, I, I think the principles apply to 
original artists. I think they probably apply to uh, visual media artists. You know, it's all about relationship building. Absolutely. And I think for a lot of artists, that can be one of the biggest challenges, especially if you're not somebody who's naturally inclined for networking, but building those relationships, particularly with all the different players in the venue that you talked about there, that can often make the difference between, you know, nailing one gig versus getting a consistent gig at a particular venue and networking out to other venues that those venue owners that you've already worked at might know. That's fantastic advice. Again, the Unstarving Musician's Guide to Getting Paid Gigs, How to Get Booked and Paid What You're Worth over and over again. It's available on Amazon. And uh, I appreciate very much your insight there. I love that we, you know, we really got to cover a lot of different things here. We talked about traditional gigging, but we also talked about where gigging is heading and where it already is here in 2019 between house concerts, between setting up your own concerts in your local area and live streaming. Uh, it's an exciting time to be an indie artist in the live performance space, uh, thanks to all the great innovations that we have coming out. And so that's so, so cool. I appreciate your insight on all that stuff. Before we let you go, Robonzo, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward. Sure. And by the way, I don't know if we talked about this beforehand, but um, I think we need to have you on the Unstarving Musician podcast sometime because I believe that the artists that listen in would appreciate a lot of what you have to share. So uh, if we didn't already talk about it uh, when we're done, let's talk about it. <laughs> Nothing but, would make um, me happier. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Um, so my... Um, I guess my parting words for, for independent artists, hmm. you know, it's funny. I, 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 you gave me warning. I had it a little thought out and our conversation had me kind of excited in my head spinning. You know, I feel like we did a great scraping of the surface, so to speak of all these topics. So now it's gone. But um, I, I guess one of my favorite things to remind myself and others, because I hear others kind of struggle in this area too, is make sure whatever you're working on, uh, make sure it's making you happy. And if it's not, Take a step back, reassess, and figure out if whatever project you're dealing with musically or whatever, if it's not making you happy, figure out how you can change it and, and work in situations and with people that make you happy and who you can provide the biggest return to. That's really terrific. I think it's something that indie artists lose sight of. Like one of the, you know, there are a lot of things that are tough about being an indie artist entrepreneur and running your own music career, but one of the benefits of it is that you have more control than artists have ever had in terms of the things you want to do. And so don't feel like you have to follow a formula. And as you noted, like if something is not really enriching your soul, figure out you know what else you could be doing with your time and with your creativity. Fantastic insight. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.robonzo.com. Check out his podcast, The Unstarving Musician Podcast, and his blog as well at robonzo.com. And he's got a book. Check it out if you want to really up your live performance game. The book is The Unstarving Musician's Guide to Getting Paid Gigs, How to Get Book and Paid What You're Worth, over and over again, available on Amazon. Robonzo, thank you so much for being on the show, my man. Ryan, I appreciate the opportunity. It was great talking with you. Likewise, and thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Mm -hmm.